This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. Well, good evening and welcome to In Touch, City Talk's exclusive rugby league show with me, Lauren Moss, and Steve Manning too. And we've come to the end of the year, well, almost anyway, the rugby league year, with the season finished and the World Cup won by Australia. So in our final show of 2013 tonight, we're going to hear from Sonny Bill Williams, Billy Slater, Bob McCarthy, Dennis Betts and James Roby. Now, this was a season that's seen Lee Breers hang up his playing boots for good, Salford almost wind up only to be saved by the doctor himself and Wigan become the first club to do the cup double in seven years and rumbling on beneath all that joy and heartbreak in the background there's been controversy over the Super League restructuring to come so we're going to take a look back on all of that and what could be to come next year between now and seven tonight and we want to know your high points of 2013 and the lows as well you can get in touch with us tonight on Twitter we're at citytalk1059 or you can use the hashtag in touch talk. So first off, good evening to my co-host, Mr. Steve Manning. Evening. Good evening, Lauren. Good evening, everybody. Did you miss me last week, first of all? The, the show was hosted by Nick Smith. Yes, we did miss you. It's uh, Nick's great. It was very good. He filled in really well. And his knowledge of rugby is absolutely superb. But it's not the same, is it? I mean, I think this is probably 44 weeks on the spin. And, you know, you get used to the same... Sorry, the same a, old no, face, the same boat used, race. You know, I'll, I'll just get out of the... You get used <laughs> to uh, having a, the relationship and hitting off each other, so to speak, on a show. And uh, so you were missed, but I just thought you had a good time and uh, you've uh, refreshed yourself for uh, tonight's final countdown. I did. I went off to Malaga, actually, so I wasn't at the final game at Old Trafford. I caught up with it in a pub in España, though, which was, uh, which was handy. And... It wasn't really the final we were all hoping for, really, was it? 34 points to 12, Australia beats it. To, to two. Why do I keep saying 12? I, I said know. 12 three times in the last hour. 34 points to two, which is the biggest scoreline in a World Cup final. Not the competitive one we were hoping for, Steve, but still, you know, it was watched by a record-breaking crowd of any international game. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think we all expected a similar performance of when England played uh, New Zealand, but the bottom line is Australia did what they needed to do. And let's be quite honest, they were very, very good. And the early benchmark was on that first set of six when uh, New Zealand lost the ball, I think, of their own 20 metres early on in the tackle count. And Australia were really good. And I have called, I think I called them robotic last week. And they are robotic. And, you know, they do the good things well. They do the simple things as well, what, you, what they've got to do. But some of those tries that they scored in that World Cup final was superb. The, uh, the Morris one, uh, the invention of the chip over, mm. the chip over, Fortunately, he didn't get a bad injury, but they were very, very good. And um, when you it's think a different it, style of play, isn't it? They sort they're in a league of their own. It's very, yeah, yes, you, you, you're right there. They do the simple things right, and uh, it's all about obviously making sure you've got your defensive line right. If you've got that right, you're going to win. When you think about it, we scored four tries against them in that opening game. We had a ten nil lead. After that game, they've not cons- they've not conceded a try. They, they, they skinnily gave away a couple of points and. And you've got to give them credit where due. And uh, it's the Australian way, and that's how they do it. And they're good at it. And anybody who tries catching them up, they're always going to be one step ahead. Well, let's hear from the winning side's captain now, Billy Slater, who's actually lucky to make the squad as he was struggling with injury. And I'll just give you a little heads up. It is very loud and a packed Old Trafford here. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great feeling, obviously, winning a game like this and being part of a, a team like this. So, um, yeah, very, uh, very humbling experience, actually. There's a, you know, there's a core group of an age group which has come through, including yourself with this Kangaroos team. They've been considered the best in the world. How important was it for you guys to go and win this, this World Cup? 
In other words, we're getting old, are we? Uh, yeah, no, there's, uh, there's, there's a few of us that are, um, are 30 and, and beyond 30, so, so we're probably not going to get a, another chance, although Cameron seems to think he's a, he's a good chance to get into the 2017, but no, realistically I probably wouldn't be. Um, but you know, it's a great feeling to, uh, to get one of these medals and um, you know, obviously the disappointment in 2008, you know, New Zealand deserved to win it back then and I thought we deserved to win it tonight. And how much did, was that in your mind in the build-up to this game? Did it feature at all in, in motivating you for the, for the game? Uh, to be honest, uh, my knee was uh, giving me a lot more issues than uh, what happened in 2008, so I was more focused on trying to get myself fit for the game. And I made sure when I ran out to have a look around, there was a, a, a packed um, Old Trafford Stadium. I, you know, I've been here to watch Man Manchester United to play, and um, it's a great venue, and you know, I'm just great be a part of this team on this uh, special day. That's Billy Slater speaking at a jam-packed Old Trafford, having celebrations there. Turning to the losing side now, though, man of the tournament, but not enough on the day itself. New Zealand's Sonny Bill Williams, heartbroken. He spoke to reporters in the tunnel after the game. I feel gutted for the brothers and, uh, you know, like full credit to Australia. They were just, they were just too good today and, you know... So just sort of experience how much this has meant for you to, to play for the Kiwis and to be with these guys at this World Cup? It's, um, it's the thing that I missed, you know, I felt it after a couple of weeks of being in camp, it's just, it's just like a family, a brotherhood, and, uh, you know, that's something that you, you can't really get uh, when you're playing at club level. Um, but yeah, very disappointed right now, bro, just disappointed for the boys, very, um, very disappointed in that, at the outcome, disappointed for the brothers, disappointed for the fans, obviously. But um, you know, just you know, we tried our hardest. Australia so really were just you know, full credit to them. They were just too good. And, you know, in that last 20 minutes, I think mean, you know we all just you know, myself probably the most try to push a pass or try to come up with something. It just wasn't meant to be in. Um, like I said, full credit to Australia because they deserved it. They played really well, but. Um, so, Steve, what went wrong for New Zealand? Do you think they they ran out of gas, or is that really doing Australia a disservice? I think it, I think it is because Australia. I mean, Australia wanted it because, as it were, they were expected to win it when they had it in their own bidding five years ago, and Australia, as it were, snatched it thanks to a Billy Slater mistake. So they were all there. I mean, they said pre-game that there was no revenge and there was nothing on the back of the minds, but Cameron Smith straight afterwards said basically. Yeah, we have. You know, it's nice. We we have we have been wanting We're it. Back we have where been we belong. For it. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I did speak to somebody who said to me that um, at the international awards, where uh, Sonny Bill Williams won the international player of the year, that uh, perhaps the Australians might have been a little bit peeved because they were at that do when uh, New Zealand did the impromptu hacker, mm. and it might have just got them riled up. You know, doing it on fields a little bit different than doing it in something like that. It's don't get me wrong. It's good theatre if you're at that event sort of thing, but. Uh, um, I think basically they were better than them. You know, they, they, they didn't do anything different from what they haven't been doing all, all the time. And when they got that ball, I mean, they did throw it about. But uh, it's that Jonathan Thurston, I mean, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a great player. And uh, I think he's quartered in something. You know, he's not that fast and he's not that quick, but it's what he's got in between yeah. his ears. And it's all that experience of having played together. He's had to wait his. He's I think had that to wait quote his was time. from Billy Slater, actually. Yeah. Was it? Oh, I thought I'd got it from. I thought I'd seen it from Andrew Johnson. Unless, oh, maybe. Unless they're in the. Maybe they're uh, coughing each other. Well, you never, never know. I think they're called plagiarism, but I'm not going to argue with uh, probably what the best scrum for the modern day era. Uh, but obviously, uh, 
Jonathan Thurston's getting up there as such because he's been there, done it, read it, and he could well get the golden boot uh, this weekend. So I think it's fantastic. But it was a great... It was a great spectacle. It was a great finish to the tournament. But unfortunately, like I said, everybody, ex- everybody that, that was expecting, and possibly some of the neutrals who snapped up those tickets, was expecting a similar game to the game against uh, England. Yeah, and the New Zealand one. Well, nearly half a million people saw the games over the, the World Cup. Talking about us, what sort of legacy can we hope to build from that? We, we've had all these people coming over, tuning into mm. sort of our stations with our reporters and our coverage. Is, is this is this going to build our sport? Are we going to get more people signing up to rugby league? When you look at how some of the grassroots funding has been cut in other certain nations, not England, there doesn't seem to be much hope for that. But popularity-wise, that's what we wanted. Do you think it's going to gain from that? Now we keep the snowball going. I think you've well, yeah. I think there's a chance of you. I don't like I don't like the word legacy personally because if it, if it goes wrong, you know, people start pointing fingers. Um, I think what it has is. What they've got to buy into is all these new, the new supporters that they didn't have before and on the databases allow them. And I think a lot of people will go to games uh, and it, it should be exciting times. Will it bring the players through? It should bring the players through because where these uh, nations have been based have been doing a lot of work at the amateur clubs. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, when you see like the superstars there and it's, it, it's been great. Everything they've done, they've done really, 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 really well. And uh, I know that the, the target they, was, they were going for was what at the time was thought a laughable stroke, ambitious 500,000 spectators for the old tournament. And to be just be 50,000 short, I think it's a remarkable... Yeah, it was 450, wasn't yeah. it, then, got in the yeah. end? It, to, to get that close, uh, to, to, to what was an ambitious target seen by a lot of uh, people in the media but third play they went for it and they were just short of it and Sally Bolton and all the team have done a fantastic job and I was a little bit sceptical obviously I was going to get from A to B etc but they've been very professional in everything especially in accreditation and getting into games and car park spaces and where you go etc etc uh, the, the media side well. of things the yeah. side that the fans don't always see yeah they, they work, they've worked well with everything but what they've done everyone who had a World Cup game they took on board what they needed to do throughout the country where they played the games. And I think it's been a big boost. Hopefully, uh, we'll get that recognised in relation to the gates this coming season. And uh, I can't wait, really. I mean, it's mid-February 9th or something like that. I think the first game of the season. And then there's a... Uh, when one team play that game, and then the week after, it kicks off sort of thing. And the uh, World Club's February 22nd. So uh, we, haven't, we haven't got long to wait, really, because, you know, we're coming up now to just beginning of December. Yeah, three-week break, and we'll probably be on four-week break, and, and we'll be back. In fact, we are going to take a quick break now, actually, on City Talk 105.9, but afterwards we'll be hearing from Bob McCarthy, Dennis Betts, and James Roby as well. And we also want to hear from you tonight, your best moments and the lowest moments as well of 2013. Get in touch with us on Twitter tonight. Some of your comments and pictures are already coming in as well. We'll go through those shortly as well. You can find us at City Talk 105.9 or use the hashtag InTouchTalk. In touch, City Talk Rugby League Lowdown, City Talk 105.9. It is City Talk 105.9. It's In Touch, the Rugby League Hour. I'm Lauren Moss. Steve Manning joins me too. And before the break, we heard from Billy Slater and Sonny Bill Williams reflecting back on that World Cup victory of Australia's over New Zealand. And we started talking about what is it that England need to do? Uh, There's been some comments in the media this week that maybe we need to be bringing more of halfbacks through from young ages at school, getting the spine of the squad there now instead of having more like utility players, which we seem to be entering the era of at the minute. And Steve caught up with Bob McCarthy 
former Australian great, current test selector picking the Aussie squad, and he's been giving in touch and insight about what he thinks England needs. It greets me as an Englishman to say congratulations, but uh, congratulations on uh, regaining the World Cup. Yeah, it certainly was, Steve. Um, you know, um, we've been waiting for four years for this to come around again. You know, we thought we were a bit of side back then, but they, um, they pulled our pants down in the, in the closing minutes of the game. And um, as I said, we've been waiting four years and we selected the side uh, six to eight weeks ago and we, we, we knew that we picked a, a winning side. It was just a matter of how many guys would get injured along the way. And um, luckily for us, last three only lost Luke Lewis. And... Um, we kept the majority of our great players like Slater and, and Smith and Cooper Cronk and Thurston and, and, and Inglis and um, you know and with those guys on the field, we always knew we were going to be competitive and um, and as, the, as a result stayed on stayed on Saturday that um, with all those guys on the field playing at their top at the one time they're pretty hard to contain and the 34-2 was a bit of a surprise scoreline to me but you know we'll take it I think it might be a record score in a World Cup uh, final I think yeah. As they say, defence wins matches and that defence has been pretty awesome apart from the England game when at least England scores some tries. Well, England could. Well, well England's, if England play the English game, they're a good side. But if they start playing the Aussie game, they're not going to be in, in, like in the hunt. But they showed in that first game when they played the English game, they, they were only eight points off us. And the, and the game they got knocked over in the semi-final, you know, they just went to sleep for 10 seconds in the whole game. And everyone declares that they were the better side on the day. But unfortunately... Um, Guys like James Graham and, uh, and and Sam Burgess, the way they played that game that day, they shouldn't have been on the losing side. England were that good, but um, you know, good full marks to uh, for New Zealand for getting up there. But what I'm trying to stress is, if England keep playing that game where they just keep throwing the ball around, and the pass will beat the man like it, it's always done, um, they'll they'll be a very competitive side. But if they start playing the Aussie game, they're not they're not used to that, and they don't want to play the Aussie game. The English people got bought up on moving the football around, not not run over the top of blokes and being built like robots. You can be built like robots, but what's the English players are now, those Burgess boys, mm. when they walk down the street, it's like a block of flats walking down <laughs> the street. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, as long as they keep playing that English game and uh, send a few players out to Australia, I mean, the four guys I feel were the best players last week and when they got beat against New Zealand were the two Burgess boys, Widdop and James Graham. And where do they all play? They all play in Australia. So if we can get more players out there, we'll do a little tour and the more football we give the uh, the English the English players, I'm pretty sure they'll re- they'll get back up there where they where they have been f- for the first um, say 60 or 70 years of, of rugby league. It's interesting that because obviously everybody these days because obviously mm. if a team that's successful as Australia have been, mm. everybody tends to follow the best. That's correct. I mean, um, people are going to get sick and tired of watching Australia play New Zealand. So if the English game can pick up by coming out and doing tours and, and learning a bit more, sending some players out, I've no doubt we'll... Um, I mean, I played in the last Ashes, the last time England won the Ashes, 1970. So it's been a long time be- between drinks for them, but up until then, or 63, I mean, England were, we used to, used to smack our tails over here and send us, put us back on the ship and send us back home and said, come back and see us in four years' time. Uh, but I think that can happen again because, um, you know, the, 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 the athlete is here in the players. The accolade is here in the players. England, next World Cup, heading over to Australia and New Zealand. We're going to be seeing that young talent coming through. We've seen some of it already. We've got the Burgess boys. Which, what was this quote he said then? They're like a, a wall walking down the street. Um, what do you reckon, Steve? I mean, we got to the, the semi-finals this year when we're going to be playing on their turf with the youngsters that we'll have coming through them. Players that probably aren't even really talked about or known about yet. Well, I think we can um, we can certainly get to the semi-final. 
but it's taking that, that next bridge because no disrespect, I mean, they talk about making it a 16 tournament, a 16 team tournament in 2017. And I'm sure that we'll get to the semi finals, but it's taking that next step. And if they can make that next step, who knows what may happen? I mean, I know that uh, Bob McCarthy was on about the guy that came on, uh, played in the second row with the uh, scrum cap and uh, saying that he looked good, he looked good in the NRL. Well, that's Chris Hill. Mm. Now, Chris Hill's made a phenomenal rise in the last two years when you think where he was. Where he was at Lee, yeah. then he went to Warrington, now yeah. he's in the World Cup squad. So you've got a big rap from a guy who's been there, done it, who's saying, like, you know, go and play in the NRL. I mean, he gave a big rap to uh, Benny Westwood, but I think Benny will probably be staying over here. But uh, what he's saying is that some of the players should go over there and we should have longer tours or things like that. But uh, the more we play them, the better we'll get, as long... I mean, we're talking about a guy there, I think, as I asked the question, you know, he said, like, play it the England way, the Great Britain way, not the Australian way. So that's what we've got to do. Our own identity. Yeah. We don't need to mimic uh, you know, to the play NRL. We don't want to mimic the way they're playing. We want to find our own our own feet and how yeah. what works best for us. And, and it's what we did up to 1970. And after 1970, they've, they've taken over, really, haven't they? And even, we're um, always in the shadow, aren't we? Super yeah. League versus the NRL. Well, there is no, there is no versus, And, and really. Andrew Johns epitomised and echoes what this guy said. And when you talk about Andrew Johns, he's probably the iconic scrum half of uh, this uh, last 20, 30 years. So, uh, you know, they're both singing from the same hymn sheet, but from different generations. England, play it the England way. Throw it away. Never mind playing the Australian way because they'll only get better doing the Australian way. We're trying to catch up. And we'll never catch up. And that's no disrespect to whoever takes over the coaching job if it should go to somebody else uh, in this next uh, few months after the review. Speaking about England, finding it our own way, let's talk domestically now with Super League. The high points of the season for you, Steve. I, I almost don't want to ask this question, to be honest. Well, I know you told me Because I don't really have a whole lot. Well, I know that, but we'll not, we'll not go down that line yet. Oh, no, look at I'll your face. Really, I'll not ridicule you. <laughs> Basically, the domination of the Wigan Warriors from Academy up to uh, Open Age. I know you mentioned that obviously Huddersfield Giants won Yeah, the, we were talking the before leaders. about the, that Wigan won everything, Steve was saying to me on there before. And I said, well, they didn't actually win the league leaders, did they? And he said to me, that doesn't mean anything. It's just a hubcap. It is just a hubcap. And, uh, so when they won that the, a couple the, of seasons the, ago... Well, like I say, it was a start. It was the start, wasn't it? Huddersfield Giants have now got to kick on, haven't they? Because everybody, they're the benchmark. Don't get me, they had a great season. Nobody expected them to do that, did they? And fair play to them, but they've got to kick on now. But if you talk about, you know, if we do like the official line, to be champions, you've got to win the grand final. They won the grand final. They won the Challenge Cup. People might say, well, they didn't play anybody in the Challenge Cup. You can only play what's in front of you. But then they did that. And from the academy level, they finished minor premiers in that, i.e. similar to Huddersfield Giants. But then they went on and won the grand final. So they're doing a fantastic job. And the question is now, with the players that have left the club, what will happen next year? Because everybody was saying that the players that, last, that left 12 months ago, we're going to struggle. And, uh, well, they've shown that they haven't. Yeah, and they've got players coming through, and I think uh, the buys that they've made, I think they're very good. Obviously, Matty Bowen's gone there, as it were, to help on for the uh, half, uh, sorry, for the fullback position. But the youngsters that have come through, if they fit and they get some fit, I think they'll have a fantastic squad. Whether they'll be able to do what they did uh, this season, I don't know, because the only way is down, isn't it, when you think about it? Uh, uh, and I'm trying to put the British head on now, just hoping that they can do themselves justice when they go over to Australia in February and uh, bring this World Club home. And it might just, as it were, you know, the narrow-minded Australians, there's only one thing, the NRL, it might make them think, well, yeah, there's a little bit more. But uh, it's going to be a terrific ask because I've watched a lot of that NRL recently and that Sydney City Roosters with the SBW did a class act. 
I mentioned in Australia there, Warrington announced this week that they will be heading over there for a three-week tour as well, um, like they did a couple of years mm. ago as well. I was kind of scratching my head for my high points this season because Saints didn't make the semi-finals. They didn't make anything really in the Challenge Cup. Witness didn't <laughs> reach the playoffs. So I'm not really sure we should dwell on any of mine. But we have seen some vast improvements. I would actually go as far as to say Huddersfield, winning the league leaders, was quite a high point in the sense it's... A new team is coming up through. They've shown that they've been on the cusp of it year on year. They were, they did play the most attractive rugby, I think, throughout the competition. You're you're looking at me as if to say, nah, nah, nah. but talking about St. Helens, uh, dealt injury blow after injury blow, had a mammoth task this season that handed out more than 10 debuts to players. Witness finishing 10th. Um, and I spoke to um, coach Dennis Betts this week, actually, because the ball's already rolling at many clubs, especially at Witness as well. They've had their players back for a, a few weeks now for pre-season training. And last week, the Vikings announced the head coach has signed a two-year extension to his contract. And I spoke to him earlier. Good evening, Dennis. You signed your, your new two-year contract extension last week. Uh, congratulations on that. Easy decision to make? Oh, very easy, yeah. Um, um, been talking with James um, over the last, obviously, second part of the year and Looking at the future with the recruitment of players and and just the, the way the team's moving and the way that the really relationship that I have with uh, with James and also with all the players that to be part of um, really consolidating all the, the gains that this club's made over the last two years um, is something that was a no-brainer for me really. And over you know the last two years, you've been there since uh, was it 2010 May time, and you're still down in the championship as well. I mean, do you feel that yeah. you've really sort of been able to build the side up from what you saw in the championship, getting the players that you want in, that you're now creating the squad that you're feeling more comfortable with, that's knitting together. Yeah, it was just about and all this um, culture speak and all that kind of stuff like that. But the processes that needed to be put in place um, took some time, and I was very fortunate that. Um, um, Steve O'Connor um, agreed. He brought he brought into what I was um, what I was trying to do. He brought into how um, how I would do it. He could see the the games when nobody else could. He could see the fact that everybody at the club was working really hard to get us in a, a strong position on a short footing. And then obviously with James coming on the back of that, and then him also recognising. How how far the club had come and how far it had to go, and how much everybody was working towards that. That we decided that we needed to to extend and, and make it so that we could actually make this um, this goal a reality. And what sort of goals are you hoping to achieve over the next couple of seasons? Already going up from the championship to tenth spot, you're looking at Challenge Cup progression, getting into those playoff spots, which really you only just missed out on last season anyway. Yeah, it's. Everybody's got the same kind of agenda. It's not. It's not hard when you if you go across the, the all the teams in the league. Everybody wants to be in the grand final. Everybody wants to be in the Challenge Cup final. Uh, our interim objectives and the way that we we're, we're trying to set, set our own standards at the club and but those are things that are really important to me at the moment about the things that internally about how the players are, are training, the processes that we go through week in week out, the professionalism that they carry throughout throughout the club and also into in local community and then the, that process will lead to, to some real positive outcomes with uh, the fact that we want to be playing in um, in in October in playoff rugby and we want to also be in the last days of the Challenge Cup so it's it's, it's really easy to set your goals because the goals are already in, in stone which are the Challenge Cup finals and grand finals 
what the process is and then the steps along the way are things that take a lot of a lot of thought and also a lot of them um, putting together. And looking at uh, Christmas, you've got the, the derby coming up with Warrington, not on Boxing Day this year, probably because it'll snow and have to get cancelled again, but maybe more chance if it goes ahead on the 29th. Um, obviously, an exciting clash and good to have the, the, the festive feeling for well, the yeah, fans. Exactly. I think putting on the 29th helps. It helps the community, it helps fans, it helps the players. It's it's on the weekend, so it falls in when we usually play anyway. It's not a midweek fix, I know. But people still have to work over that period of time. So like, but if we put it on a weekend, it's on a Sunday, and it just falls in that festive period. So hopefully we'll get a really good crowd that want to come out and support the team on a on a normal rugby league Sunday um, over the festive period. So I know the tradition is Boxing Day, but I think if, when you when you look across across the years now, that slipping it out the weekend really helps a lot of people because I think people still continue to work over the Christmas period. It's not, it's not the big holiday festive period that it once was. And putting on the Sunday now helps helps everybody be able to get to the game and enjoy rugby league on a weekend over the Christmas period. And speaking of the fixtures coming up as well, um, your one with Wigan has been uh, postponed or is going to be rearranged because of the World Club Challenge. Some comments from uh, James Rule this week about how you don't want the same thing to happen with Leeds. That you had Leeds last year and you're playing them twice in a matter of days, really. I mean, how concerned are you about that? And have, has the club been in touch with the RFL about that? Yeah, we are. We were pretty disappointed, actually, with the fact that we, we were, again, used as the team that given going to buy that first, first weekend. And, and we did it last year. We, we got a good start and we got um, really enjoyed the win down in London and then we lost a little bit of momentum. We, got, we came close to St. Helens when we came back and played at home at the um, Select Stadium. But we, we were a bit disappointed that we couldn't have um, got any momentum. But you can't control these things. The fixtures have been set. We're very fortunate because we've got a couple of games that month at home so it helps in lots of ways by having a couple of home fixtures early on in the season. Yeah, we can't really control this moment when we'll play Wigan again depending on when they're, they, they're playing in Challenge Cup rounds and certain things that go on later on in the year so we'll have, to, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. With Christmas coming up and this being the last show on In Touch uh, what's on the agenda for the, for the coming month and ahead to the start of the season in January, February? Like I said, just a couple of pre-season games we're playing um, we'll play the Crusaders 19th of January, then we'll, we'll go over to France and we'll play a pre-season game against the Catalan Dragons. And then we'll, um, we'll be ready to go. Cheers, Dennis. We'll have a very Merry Christmas and we'll speak to you in the new year. OK, man. thank you very much. Cheers, take care. That's Witness Vikings coach Dennis Betts. We're going to take another quick break now on City Tilt 105.9, but afterwards we're going to chat about the situation at London Broncos with Ian Ramsdale and we'll also hear from James Roby and talk the classic moments of In Touch 2013. In Touch, In Touch on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to In Touch on City Talk 105.9. I'm Laura Moss. Steve Manning joins me too for the Rugby League show with you every Thursday, the last one of 2013, actually. We're going to take a short break after tonight's show. We'll be back with you in the new year. So uh, before the break, we were talking about the World Cup in England and Steve's doing some air guitar as I speak, which... Uh, you can't see. Thankfully, neither can our next guest who joins us on the line, Ian Ramsdale, freelance journalist down in London. Evening, Ian. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ian. Were you doing some freelance, some uh, freelance, some <laughs> air guitar then? <laughs> yeah, pretty good job. You couldn't see it. <laughs> uh, so um, we've got the the new season 
swiftly approaching, I'll be honest, before we even know it after Christmas. Um, but undercurrent of all of this is the situation at London Broncos that we're hearing about is that the, the club's still battling administration. The Tuesday deadline, they've been given a bit of a reprieve now. Um, 16 players left the squad, no media officer to update that the situation, no ground. Ian, you're the, the expert on what's going on down there. You're, you're based in London. Tell us the latest. Well, yeah, there's not very many people left. There's not much left, really. But what they are trying to do is uh, make sure that they can fulfil the fixtures for um, 2014. A lot of people have said to me, sort of, why, uh, why are Broncos? Why haven't they been kicked out of Super League yet? And I think, potentially, they haven't done anything wrong. There's nothing yet that they've contravened, no rules that they um, have broken. You don't, at this moment in time, have to have a ground to play in uh, or a squad. Of course, it helps because a lot of teams are, are in pre-season now. And there have been stories around this week about Broncos maybe trying to um, get a training session going, but because of legal issues, maybe haven't been able to do so. Um, but they, like I should say, the, the Tuesday deadline, which they had, which was, um, you know, they were going to enter administration if they didn't have financial injection. Basically, they've now run out of money. Mm. Um, they've been shedding players, they've been shedding um, backroom staff, shedding um, club staff to try and save the money. They ran out eventually. They had to file notice to go into administration. And they've had that extended because they managed to prove in court that they are nearing a solution to this problem. So you've got to think that hopefully good news isn't too far around the corner. So say they, they do secure a ground at and that would be fantastic. They, they can host games and they can go to games. What kind of team are they going to have with 16 players left? We're going to have scooped up a, a lot of those. I mean, what kind of team are they going to put out that's going to be going on the road? And what kind of competitive rugby do you feel we, we could be seeing? How competitive? It's a very interesting question. And to be fair, I wouldn't even like to guess at this stage. But I think what you can say is that they're not going to get, obviously, the first quality or the top pick players, which they might have wanted to have signed up as early as possible because they weren't in a position to do so. So are they going to be as strong as they would have liked to have been or could have been? No. And if you compare that to recent seasons and where they've been, are they going to be competitive again next year? No, probably not. It's going to be very difficult for them. Yet I think you've got to presume that if they're in this situation and they are looking at nailing down something for next year, they would be silly if they weren't already thinking or talking to people about signing if they do manage to get it all sorted. So I would have thought that if they do get all this done and dusted, there will be people waiting in the wings that will be ready to sign contracts. As for who and what calibre of players they are, that I would only be guessing at. Well, there's, you know, the the old argument going on up here with the Rugby League being along the M62 corridor from here over, over to Hull, having a, a Super League side down in London and then one at the south of France as well. How much of a demand is there with the south being so union and the other code loving really for Rugby League? I mean, how much of a demand is there, the audiences and so on, do you think? Well, you'd probably say that at the moment, maybe the interest um, isn't as high as it has been in, in its you know thirty-year history or so. And you could, you know, it's an interesting debate. We could talk for an hour on 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 why that might be. Um, there is definitely potential um, in London, and that potential hasn't been realised. A lot of people say um, it is failing. I think if you look at the crowd, it certainly is. But there hasn't really been too much of a drive to get them in there. I'm not going to tell you that they're going to sell out a ten thousand capacity stadium within a couple of years. It's certainly not going to happen. But this is all a slow build. People say, well, it's been given 30-odd years already. Why isn't it done? Because it hasn't really been managed and, and run the way that it should have been. There's been no long-term strategy. It's always been the, the here and now. And in the same way that we look at the situation they're in at the moment and 
they were in a very similar situation uh, when they, you know, eventually came out of that and, and moved in with Harlequin's Rugby Union and a deal there seven years ago. They are just providing a short-term solution. Nobody has really stepped in and said, right, this is where we're going to take the club. This is how we're going to move rugby league forward. Um, so the interest uh, is potentially there, but I don't think it's been realised. Just for me, Ian, do you think that, first of all, they will be in Super League come 2014? I know the fixtures are there. And secondly, do you think they'll survive? Because if they do go into administration, I think they'll probably be deducted four points even before they kick a ball in anger. I think that's why it's so important for them that they avoid administration because they can't afford to initially, you know, lose any points if they were to, um, you know, to, to get something ready for for 2014. But um, I think that the plans that they have are pretty much based on the fact that they don't go into administration. If they did go into administration, I think that possibly would be the end um, of the club in, in, in its current guise. And you've got to maybe question whether anything would be there in um, in 2014. You might end up with a 13-team Super League. Um, do I think it would be Super League for the next year? Yes, I think. Well, it, it, it's yes, it is. If they get a deal sorted, they're in Super League next year, done. If they don't get a deal sorted or they struggle or somebody sets them a deadline which they then miss... I think it won't be Championship, it won't be Championship 1, they just won't be around next year. Right, Ian, well, thank you very much for speaking to us on In Touch tonight. We'll keep a close eye on the situation and catch up with you in the new year. Thank you. Cheers, take care. Right, let's turn our attention now to St. Helens. James Roby signs a new five-year contract extension, effectively going to be seeing out the rest of his career at Langtree Park. And I spoke to him earlier this week, or actually earlier today about it. We're joined on the line now on City Talk 105.9 by St. Helens and England hooker James Roby. Uh, big news this week, he signed a new five-year contract with St. Helens. Congratulations, James. How did all that come about? Uh, well, cheers, thank you. Um, obviously... I had uh, I had up until the end of next year on my current deal, and um, you know, I've been in talks with the club uh, early on uh, in last season, really, just you know touching base and, and seeing what uh, what my feelings were and things like that. So obviously we've gone through uh, contract negotiations and, and I'm made up to us sign the deal now. And obviously, like you mentioned, five years, so a little bit of security, knowing that um, you know I'm, I'm tied up till just before I turn 33. Which effectively will mean that the rest of your <clears> career likely to be seen out at St Helens. Is that a big decision to make with with staying at the one club? Were you tempted by anything else? Australia, Parramatta, they were rumoured to be coming in for you as well. Um, yeah, well, there was there was a bit of interest from elsewhere, but um, you know, I think deep down I always knew I was going to I was going to stay at St Helens. Um, like I say, St Helens lad, I've signed there straight from school and I've been there my whole career and you know, I'm happy in the town. I'm, I'm settled. I've got young children, a wife, and we're, you know, we're all we're all settled where we are, and you know, we have a good life, and all our family are around us, and um, you know, obviously weighed up different options and maybe going to Australia or things like that. But uh, ultimately, in the end, you know, the best decision for us was to stay where we are. And it's probably a real vote of confidence as well that, that you could you take it that you're staying in Super League when you've seen so many top class players like yourselves leaving to go over to the NRL that just this last season alone as well. So you're confident that you know Super League is going to be able to to mount that strong challenge and you know increase relations with Australia and maybe get up on that international stage after what we've seen from the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. I think um, like you mentioned with the World Cup, we obviously were you know very close to getting to the final and. Uh, we, we was unlucky really not to not to get there. I think we did enough to win the game, but um, 
you know, obviously we're, we're improving as a as a national side, and, and that's what we need on the ball. And we need us to be challenging, you know, the likes of Australia and New Zealand who are automatically regarded as the favourites. So hopefully we, we've done a bit in this World Cup to close that gap and maybe change people's opinions and, you know, make it more of a free horse race than a horse race. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously re-signing is, um, you know, staying in Super League, you know, more than, more than uh, you know, sure that the, the league will continue and go from strength to strength, really. It's, um, you know, the game obviously struggles in terms of, you know, the, the media coverage that it gets and commercial-wise compared to other sports. And, you know, you mentioned the NRO in Australia and, they're, you know, they get so much revenue from the TV deals and corporate deals and things like that. And there's obviously a, a lot more money in the pot over there. But, um, you know, I think that's what we need. We need, uh, you know, the, the league over here kind of just progressing. Hopefully over the next few years it can find its feet a bit more and, you know, and start to challenge other sports maybe and, and obviously, you know, meet the uh, the profile of the NRO. You mentioned before about being unlucky in that semi-final against New Zealand. To the spectator, it didn't seem like you were unlucky. It was all like you were robbed at that last minute. To be fair, I mean, you know, I think how do you go about getting over a, a defeat like that? Because it just seemed like a sure thing. You deserved to win. Yeah, well, like I say, I, I thought we did enough to win, and you know, going into the last uh, last couple of minutes, you know, you, as you're playing and, and you, you know, you're involved in it, and you know, you've just got to hang on for a couple of minutes and, and win the final. And, uh, you know, for it to be the last play of the game or last twenty seconds, whatever it was, was was obviously you know we were just all gutted. I couldn't believe it. It's you know we we thought we'd done enough, and next minute they they go over and score and, and kick the goal to win it. But I suppose that sport and at the uh, at the top level as well, it's you know it's very fine margins that can determine the outcome of the game. So we understand that, but like like I said, we've got to take the positives from it, and hopefully. People maybe have a bit more respect for England as an, uh, a national team now, and, and that's what we want. And we want, you know, the the uh, people's opinions to, you know, to really get behind England. And hopefully, uh, you know, next time we we get to play as, as Team England, more people get behind us, and you know, it'll be a lot more patriotic, and people will back us and have confidence in us. Where do you think the the priority of sort of getting the, the little things right and the, the clicking together for the national side will be over the next coming years and the internationals that we'll see uh, before the, the, the next World Cup in, in New Zealand or Australia? There's been com- talks this week about the halfback pairing that we need to like push more talent through at a younger age to to be building up the spine of the squad. I mean, where do you where do you see like the priority needing to go to? Do you think? Well, I think the priority is just you know obviously the. Um system if you like that they've got they've put in place over the past couple of years with the ETS and we have all these regular meetups at Loughborough and training camps and things like that. I think that's helped a great deal in terms of, you know, the team cohesion and everyone's kind of more comfortable in each other's surroundings, which is a big a big thing to be honest, because normally we just meet up at the end of the season and, you know, you're kind of together a week and then you're straight into a competition. But um you know the way it is now we're obviously we're a lot more familiar with each other you know, we, we kind of meet up regularly every couple of months and, you know, obviously we're playing against each other week in week out. So I think I do think that's done a, a great lot of good for, for the game and, and for the sector. There's obviously a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in terms of sports science and different staff which are specialist in their areas that are obviously helping the team to prepare as best we can. And hopefully if we can just keep producing these, uh, you know, these homegrown talents and, and obviously uh, looking after them and, and they come through and, you know, they've got a good... Uh, a good rugby brain on them and a good personality and, you know, that genuinely all rugby lads. The next batch will come through because, 
every year there's a you know there's a few players who uh, you've never really heard of, and then next minute the you know the stars of the game of the future. So we just need to keep uh, keep encouraging that, and like you say, hopefully the more the more players we can keep in Super League rather than going to the NRL, that'll help as well. Well, that's James Roby speaking to me earlier there after signing his new five-year deal at St Helens. And interestingly enough, there's going to be a great testimonial match for James at the end of January against Wigan Warriors, yes, Steve. Yes, I, I know. So uh, we'll I make know. sure we have a show before that, won't we? I think we should, yes. <laughs> uh, I knew about that. So that's official now, is it? It is. It's official. Yes. End of January. And it's going to be the Wigan Warriors first team because I've... Been it's going to be Wigan's first defeat. No, it won't. I just want to say thanks to uh, Lauren. <laughs> She's been in touch on Twitter tonight. We asked her uh, the high and the low points of 2013 and she sent in a picture of the Australia team lifting the World Cup trophy at Old Trafford. My high point of 2013 was going to the Rugby League World Cup, she says. So thanks very much for that. We'll go through a few more of your comments as well on the In Touch Extra podcast, which we're going to go and record now because we've run out of time. And I do have a few classic moments of Steve that I want to play out as well. So that will be available to listen to online on the City Talk In Such podcast. That's at citytalk.fm. You can download it from iTunes tomorrow as well. Steve, what can we say? Just uh, thanks for a good year. I think it's been fantastic and I'm looking forward to next year. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year when we'll be bigger, better and brighter. Ho, ho, ho. Merry ho, ho, Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. ho, ho. <laughs> good night. This is In Touch. City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. It's In Touch, it's December, it's the In Touch Extra Christmas podcast. Steve, I thought you were going to give me a lot of stick there for uh, for playing a bit of shaking Stevens, a bit of shaky, it's what you need though, right? It's, it's Advent and all. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll put my Christmas head on, I think there's more better ones that we can do than that. But okay, what, what, about, what, about, what about this one? This is the one I prepared earlier. This is Home Alone. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that film, yeah. Anyway, we did, of course, for a change, run out of time on the show on City Talk 105.9. It was the last show of 2013. Every Thursday, between 6 and 7, it goes out. We're going to take a short break now for the festive period, but we'll be back in January. We were talking about the best moments of 2013. And, Steve, you did reminisce briefly on air about that moment where you saw Wigan lift the Challenge Cup trophy and again at the grand final at Old Trafford. Hair standing up at the back of your neck. Well, they were they were eventually, especially the second game at half time. The the hairs weren't standing up at all because uh, Wigan were getting well and truly uh, battered until they got that try just before half time. And I thought, here we go again, shades of uh, when they got battered by the Bradford Bulls. But uh, ever the negative. But good, con- good conquered evil, as it always do when you're following the cherry and white. And uh, it was an emphatic win in the end. And the the worrying thing in relation to that was the implosion of the Warrington Wolves um, because they just looked tired in that second half, especially after that uh, opening try, but uh, yeah, that, that was my highlight, one of my highlights. I think uh, the other highlight was such was uh, doing probably the last interview that uh, Sam Tompkins will do on our shores, shores after the, the defeat against uh, New Zealand in that World Cup game that you thought that we were robbed from. I do think we were robbed. Steve had a problem with um, my phrase I don't have to, a problem. to James Roby where there were some Christmas bells playing out there. Big Ben, it was New Year's Eve suddenly all of a sudden. He was charming in very well, wasn't he? <laughs> 
I do really think that New Zealand were robbed. Uh, England, yeah, yes, were, New Zealand. England were robbed by New Zealand in that uh, in that semi final. I think England had it in the bag. I, th- I, w- I was a dead cert we were going to get through. It was a perfect advert of what rugby league should be like. A bit like when Saints lost at last gas to Leeds. So I throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, so, but they lost. Personal, personal opinion. We've been asking you your reaction of uh, what you think were the, the best moments of 2013. On Twitter tonight at City Talk 1059, Mark says, watching SBW crash over the line and missing that try. That's a sensational dropout. Well, he certainly didn't show his credentials on that little uh, moment, but the build-up to the try was absolutely, or the no try, was absolutely super. And I don't think anybody who was in the ground could believe that. And uh, rather surreal theatre. Claire's also been in touch. She says uh, the prayer that the players took part in, like that the Fijian players before the game really made the hair stand up on the back of her neck. That's on Twitter tonight. Yeah, I think she's right. Uh, you know, at the beginning and, and, and at the end, and uh, you know when they when they joined it as an impromptu choir. And I saw that earlier on when they had the Festival of World Cups during the summer and all the Fijian teams that played in the various competitions. They, they've all got that brilliant voice sort of thing, and and it, and it was moving. And the fact when you think about, it, you know, you've been knocking seven colours out of each other for eighty minutes of what's at stake, and then. You know, they can all bond together and no disrespect, I think that is the difference between our game and our sport than any other sport that's played on the planet. And for me, it's been the whole occasion of the World Cup. I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist anyway. I love the Good Friday derbies. When you, when you watch the, the, the Saint, when you go to see I don't know Saints play at Wigan and you see the flag even with it even in the Wigan end and as a Saints fan I still I like that occasion and the, and the you know the moment of it and at the World Cup you mean you so... love seeing that ancient and loyal flag going around all <laughs> the ground I love it I think it's fantastic no but I mean the, the occasion of it and having so many people all together and then you know s- s- still having your, your banter and, y- and your friends at the end of it and I think in the World Cup as well just the, the whole are we occasion, friends after the game we're, we're not friends Thank but you. Uh, at the you know some of the sites at Wigan again actually this season when I saw England versus France not quite the game I was hoping for but just seeing like the the night and the mascot walking past mm. and the flags that were set out and the military and the, and the singing I, j- I just think you can't beat that at an international game I thought I thought we did it really, really well. And as I said earlier in the show, you know, congratulations to Sally Bolton and her staff. There were a hell of a lot of people involved with it. But uh, Sally said, you know, we were aiming for 500,000 spectators watching these games, which would be just short 50,000, uh, you know, was unlucky. And uh, I think we'd, we'd, we did a fantastic job. Hopefully now the Australian and the New Zealand have got to work better that in four years' time. And then in eight years' time, It'll be back here, hopefully, and we can better that. And we'll be, you know, the sport will be in good health. We've had some incredible shows here on City Talk 105.9 as well on In Touch. We spoke to the mad doctor, Dr. Marwan Kukash. You told us to call him the mad doctor, by the way. I'm not trying to be offensive. That was a great interview. We had him on for the whole evening telling us about how he got involved with rugby league and how it all started with a train journey. Sat next to Nigel Wood as well. And Marwan Kukash, he has some stories to tell about his life and we'll be hearing more from him in the new year as well and seeing what's going to unfold at Salford to Lee Breers. We spoke to him after he hung up his boots as well. We have the world of, of rugby league was also rocked with the very sad news mm. of Steve Prescott passing away to uh, a true real hero of the sport as well. Um, it will be remembered and I think... Iconic in adversity, wasn't he? When he found out, obviously, of his diagnosis and he was given only X to be alive and to battle on, but then to be positive and everything he did about the sport and every challenge and you think about the challenges that they did, you think, no, he can't do that. But he proved everybody wrong. And uh, obviously, it's going to be a you know um, a traumatic time, obviously, for uh, Steve's family, obviously, at this time of the year coming up. But uh, 
you know what what a role model and uh, I would fully endorse the uh, the petition that's going that the, man, uh, of the man of steel it's all about opinions isn't it Lauren you know but uh, I don't I, think it'd be I think it'd be a bit be worthy I know another iconic figure who passed away about seven or eight years ago there's a there's an award named after him and uh, and I, and I think uh, he epitomizes what the man of steel is all about um you know, brave, uncompromising, tough channel challenges and always trying to put 100% into everything he did. And I think that's what Steve did. We've also had some high moments as well here on In Touch. Some some funny moments, serious ones. So we interviewed Brian Barwick as well and we, we put the questions to him about the future of Super League and, you know, does it indeed have a future? And he insists on, yes, it does. Um, he hasn't got all the answers right now, but he's hoping to uh, be formulating them over the, the closed season. And it remains to be seen what's going to happen with London, what's going to happen with Bradford. That latest news there today, they could be in financial difficulties. And also we've had some amusing moments, not to mention the uh, Big Ben chimes playing over <laughs> James Roby just before. Steve's impersonations of uh, Batman. And also this as well, the other week. <laughs> That's Sonny speaking to us at the New Zealand training camp in New Zealand. So he's not going to be coming to Salford or any other Super League club in the foreseeable future. Then has also ruled out boxing for another three years or so too. There's only so much a man can do, eh, Steve? You've been reading a review about him by yes. uh, Tanya Arnold in the paper today. Yeah, Tanya Aldred quote, Williams, he's walking, generic, generic. Good fortune. Right oh, Bob, a massive scare. Are you crying, Steve? He has it. Oh, he has it. He has it. Yeah, I'm crying because I wish I were Sonny Bill Williams. I feel like uh, Russell Crowe. I wanted to be a rugby league player. I wanted to be Sonny Bill Williams. Does she go on? Uh, Tell us about the body, the, the body of a pumped Michelangelo. Long eyelashes. Honeyed skin. Wow. A face that somehow came out of the ravages of the boxing looking it's wow. it's great <laughs> uh, what's something here about his thighs keep your composure Steve. What, what about there's a lot of heavy <laughs> breathing no, I've lost, I've lost, I'm getting excited I'm getting excited but uh, I wish I was Sonny Bill well, Williams I mean, and I'm sure you I'm boys not... wish you were Sonny Bill Williams well Lauren's not that famous do you wish you were Sonny Bill Williams I don't wish I was Sonny Bill Williams no <laughs> he's an elite sportsman that's all I can say I don't want to undermine your credentials, but um, <laughs> is it true that possibly you, you Google search, you told us, oh, I'm not that phased by him in the ad break, and then we've Googled Sonny Bill with the shirt off, mm. and you've had to minimise the window because you get distracted. I think it would uh, undermine my credentials to talk about this any further <laughs> and how, what's typed into the search engine right now. Before, so Before we finish, though, with this, oh, you this found the thighs, yes. Yes. <laughs> Explosive thighs with sensational one-handed offloads. The body is pumped. Oh, what? <laughs> We're running out of time now, uh, so <laughs> we've spent so long talking about uh, Who's Sonny Bill Williams. Up? We will. Um, you'll have to listen to the extra in touch podcast. <laughs> well, Steve, interestingly enough, that uh, is able to listen to online, as indeed are all our podcasts. I just like, I just like to interrupt after that uh, performance. Uh, I got a phone call from Joyce Lucas, and I'm in the running for uh, the re the remake and doing my impersonation of ba- Darth Vader in the future uh, Star Wars films. <laughs> Well, when they're having like dream sequences or something, there, there Steve will be with his shaky voice. Um, In the cloud. <laughs> that really is all we've got time for now on City Talk 105.9. You've been listening to In Search. Thank you for your company this year and all your interaction. We will be back early in 2014. We'll be back. Whatever. We'll be back with more of uh, Terminator impersonations with that. That'll be, I'll be back. Hasta la vista. Bigger, um, brighter, better.
and Kanye West too. Thank you very Sorry, much. That one. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you go in this Christmas, have a very good one. Enjoy the derbies and uh, we'll speak to you in the new year. Good night. This is In Touch City Talks Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9.